0: where we meet the engineers who turn their passions into business ventures with innovations that benefit people and the planet. Hi, I'm Amy Kalnoskis, editor with EE World Online. As we've heard in previous interviews, engineering entrepreneurs share many traits beyond their technical savvy, their passion, their faith in the power of failure, and the friends, family, and colleagues who have encouraged, inspired, and mentored them in some way along the way have proven to be instrumental influences in their success. The importance of those influences or mentors should not be underestimated. When Diane Kibby obtained her undergraduate degree she constituted a whole 50 percent of the total number of women in her computer science graduating class. And she found that the subject came easy to her. With that background you might expect her to be securely positioned perhaps behind the warm glow of many screens. A woman who codes, so to speak. And she did that, for a while. But one look at her LinkedIn profile, or even a relatively short conversation, tells you that she has taken her tech and business acumen and her role as the global head of community and social media at Newark Element 14, Beyond Coding. Diane has actively mentored, sponsored, and participated in programs that encourage girls and women to pursue the multitude of careers in tech, create new technologies, and become part of the worldwide engineering community. And not just her Element 14 online community, she pretty much created. Diane has not simply hopped on the laudable bandwagon promoting opportunities for women in technology. She's taken the reins in numerous ways through volunteering in various schools and organizations, all while drawing support and inspiration from a job she just loves. Let's discover how early exposure to technology and the mentors along the way who encouraged her brought Diane to a place where she can help engineers from the start an early start and onward, maybe even to entrepreneurship. So Diane, uh, if you could tell our audience, I mentioned in the intro, you know, what you're doing now at Element 14 and the community, and just barely reference some of your volunteer activities. And we're going to let you elaborate upon that. But if we could start by letting us know, like, what about your background has got to where you are today, not just (laughs) managing a large community like Element 14, in your desire to encourage and mentor students?
1: Sure. So I actually am a computer science, I should say, I actually studied computer science and math as part of my undergraduate degree. And I kind of fell into this by accident, which really shows, you know, kind of uh, the exposure to tech can really encourage others to get into it. I started out in college kind of with an undeclared major with thoughts of going into meteorology, which is a tough major to get. So they said, why don't you get your undergrad in computer science or math? So I took a, you know, the standard computer science classes, and I couldn't believe how naturally it came to me. I remember... (laughs) You know, when you're, when you're early on in college, you say, oh, this, this is great. This is easy. I think I'll get a major in this because it's easy. And honestly, computer science came really easy to me, which I also knew, wow, that's great, right? And I, and I actually, if I think back even, came from a pretty small town in southern Illinois, and they actually had given us Apple computers to use in high school, which at that time was kind of unheard of. And I look back and I'm pretty impressed that they did this. So I had already had some exposure to some coding and found it pretty easy there. So that's how I ended up with a technical degree in computer science. And from then, you know, I was able to take this, you know, I I did do some programming work, but more so I kind of went to all different technology type jobs and anything from managing an IT department to actually, you know, running large development projects at a consulting firm, um, and I actually came into Newark to start e-procurement, which was a technical integration with any customer that was using a, a procurement system. So I've kind of been all over in different technical careers, though not exactly all in coding. I think how I ended up in it is what really makes me want to encourage other young women or you know girls to get in because. If you're not exposed to it, you wouldn't see how it comes to you, and and what makes sense, and you know what career you would want to pursue in this area. I do think exposure early is really really important, and that that's definitely what got me into the career.
0: Yeah, I, I have to agree. So, I'm just curious. Then, as you were going through these different iterations of your technical career and exposure to all these different areas, was there any like one or two things that stood out as far as like that were especially Challenging. I mean, I think I read that you were one of two women in that computer science undergrad degree. Were there, yes. you, is there anything that kind of stood out that you think maybe some people will relate to?
1: Yeah, I think, um, especially early in my career, what I did take note of that. I remember calling my parents and saying, Oh my gosh, there are no women in my classes. <laughs> but I found that because I actually also enjoyed socializing. And um, getting to know people that I realized you didn't have to be like that. You didn't have to sit in your corner and code and not talk to people, which was kind of the stigma attached to development in those days. You know, I went to work right away for a software company that it was an IBM software company, software that ran on IBM mainframes. And I will say again, there were very few women there. But what I found is I was actually able to move up quite quickly because I had So social skills. I mean, I was able to um, make sense of all the technology and the logic and how we were developing things, but also I feel like just the common sense and understanding how to manage things and how to get things done, you know, also helped. I mean, I, I did move out of the day-to-day coding pretty early on and actually went on to run more technology projects.
0: Okay. So with that background in mind, maybe maybe we could start talking a little bit about the volunteer work that you're doing at the Disney Magnet School that's part of the Chicago Public Schools and
1: why. Sure. I remember early in my job being asked to speak to different groups of Girls in high school, we used to do a lot of networking, Newark did with various high schools. And I remember even talking to them back then about going into the tech field and how I just saw so many careers that were available and so many options once you had a technical background. So I was interested in it very early on. And then when it started taking off as like this big initiative and things like Girls Who Code were developed, you know, I kind of went, well, here, this is my passion. I mean, now there's like this outlet to get out and encourage girls to get into this. So I actually did a little research and I love girls who code, but I wanted to do something that wasn't just about coding that covered technology in general. So I found an organization called tech girls and I'll give them a a little plug because I think they're awesome. And they talk about tech as a much broader thing. Mm. um, And they have this curriculum that makes it very easy to take out to schools And it's all kinds of different technologies. It's anything from podcasting, creating an infographic, Hmm. you know, learning to code on Raspberry Pi to actually things like building robots as well. But it kind of just exposes them to all of these different things and how technology is used in all these different careers. So I actually did start a tech girls at Disney Magnet 2, and it was for sixth, seventh and eighth graders, um, along with another mom at our school and went through a series of different workshops. We let them vote on the workshops they wanted to work on. It was was great. I mean, every two classes, you would expose them to something else, like software that they could create the infographic, or like I said, the software to create the podcast. For those of us who weren't quite sure, and certainly here, what a magnet school is,
0: it uses a variety of academic themes to attract students from different racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic backgrounds. These themes include STEM, language immersion, business and communications, careers in technology, and visual and performing arts. There are approximately 4,340 elementary and secondary magnet schools serving nearly 3.5 million students in the U.S. The first magnet schools were modeled after the Bronx School of Science, the Boston Latin School, Chicago's Lane Tech, and San Francisco's Lowell High School. The Disney II Magnet School Diane speaks of came about thanks to the success of the Walt Disney Magnet School, which opened in the 1970s. The Chicago-based school offers a unique and challenging curriculum that integrates art and technology through personalized and project-based learning. Their vision? To develop students who are respectful, inclusive, and driven through a supportive environment involving students, families, and staff to create a community that contributes to society. This vision is transformed in part into reality by partnerships with organizations, educational institutions,
1: and businesses. And then when I brought in micro bits, which are something that we manufacture and sell, that just really took off. And I would say that's really what allows me to really help with this is because we sell and manufacture all of these products that are being used to expose children and kids and middle schoolers to technology, things like the Raspberry Pi and the Microbit. It really supports what I'm doing. I mean, they've they've been able to give me product donations that I can use in these classes. So I'm also working with a couple of schools, just kind of networking with people to see how we can get um, these products included in their coding curriculum. because. You could just see the difference between showing something to them on a PowerPoint versus letting them actually use a micro bit and code and actually see what they're doing right away come to life. And I'd actually like to try and start up a few other. So that's the school that my um, daughters have gone to. But I would actually like to kind of further this within Chicago and see what other tech girls groups we could start up because there's very few of them in Chicago right now. They're mainly on the East Coast. And so I'd like to help them expand it uh, to the Midwest. That's a...
0: That's a big effort and a worthwhile effort. So yeah, I think it is scalable. Just need the people to get out there and and make it happen. But I, w- one thing that you yeah. said, Diane, it really resonated with me is the uh, all the different jobs there are in technology. Personally, I feel that sometimes um, girls don't feel like they want to get into tech because you know just because it's it's technology doesn't necessarily you have to be a hardware or a software engineer. But I think sometimes that that that's what the thought is. But there are so many other positions in technology where yes of course you want like this background um and and to have coding experience and to have some engineering experience or some sort of you know even if it's in the real job situation with a lot of engineers and you just gradually develop that personally i feel that stops some people they're like oh i don't know i like math and science i don't know if i can do that yeah If they were to apply as you did as well, in addition to having the degree, maybe they are social people or they can communicate quite well. And we know sometimes that can be challenging in this field for people who are super technical to be able to communicate to everyone else. But there are some great technical writers or there's people in technical sales. So I feel like that's something that needs to be defined a little bit more because I think it's just women especially girls get anxious sometimes because they're told they're not the math and science people so yeah I'm also also wondering like that's why I feel sometimes that women or girls don't get into tech and I'm just curious why what you think keeps them from getting into the industry you know let alone starting their own company or being an entrepreneur themselves in the industry what do you feel kind of holds holds them back and I mean is it mentorship is it as I said, they're just the fear of science and math, and that the only role they can have is to build the next processor. What do you think?
1: Well, I think you, what you mentioned early on, a lot of it is the stereotype of tech, right? So there's two things there. I love that the geek culture has become cool, right? Yeah. It's almost like if you look at the Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. like the stereotype about being in tech has become cool again. And I, I think that is awesome. At the same time, though, I wonder, like, still kind of prolonging that mood or you know, the opinion that science and stuff is really geeky. And I often see computer science and things like that marketed towards kids um, with robots and video games. Um, and I think we have to be really careful about this. I can honestly say as much as I love tech, I have never enjoyed video games. And typically, these can be things that boys may be more interested in. I don't want to insult the female gamers out there because I, I know many. But I think it's often, it's, it's still very stereotyped. And I think we need to really make sure that when we talk about tech, we're talking about how far reaching it can be and the things that you can do with your career. You know, tech is in everything. And the fact that you understand how technology works, how things are developed, I mean, you know, those are careers in data analysis, business operations, like you said, technical sales. Um, After I finished my programming, I actually went to work for a software company training end users how to use our software. So I was actually a teacher, which is what I really aspired to when I was much younger. (laughs) I got to teach people to use software. Another point, I went into a consulting job at Blue Cross Blue Shield where I actually evaluated technology that could be used across the different Blue Cross organizations. So I evaluated early technology, things like when video teleconferencing was coming out. I think that's a really important thing is to make sure that we're not marketing it as this geeky thing, you know, all the time because it's not at all. I mean, this is how our world is working. And this is how, if you have any kind of creativity, it will be a great outlet for that. And then I also do think mentorship is really important, right? When there's few women leaders or, you know, few women in the field, it's hard to see yourself in that role when you don't see any women in that role. And I think mentorship is so important especially at, at early ages. And, you know, I, I'm sure my own daughters, I have two daughters, are, are really tired of hearing about it because <laughs> I'm always, always encouraging them. I mean, when Raspberry Pi came out, I came home and plugged it in and you're like, that's great, mom. But, but actually they did really enjoy the micro bit too. So like the younger we expose them to this and not as here's this geeky programming tool, but more, oh, look at this cool thing you can build, you know, and showing things that interest them versus video games is really important. And I know I've gone off on a tangent here. No, not
0: at all. In fact, I'm going to pick up on that a little bit because I also have two girls and one in particular, never any real interest in technology when she was in her teens, right? But she was always hearing me and she was always listening to me and my stories. And sometimes I'd have to drag them into work because I didn't have anybody to watch them. And so she was constantly around it. And now she's a project manager. And her favorite thing is like, she interfaces with The people who are coding and then the the internal clients who say hey this is what we want and then the coders they're like well this is what we want to do and then she somehow can because she's a very good communicator and can kind of understand both sides of it she's sort of that interface and she loves it but it wasn't something she was you know um formally educated but it was that those influences and if you want to call me a mentor i don't know if she'd call me that (laughs) i think she might have some other names when she was a teenager but yeah, I, I, I think that's really important. So how could we, who are already in this industry, what you're doing is awesome. Are, are there any kind of other mentorship efforts? Because I just spoke with a group recently, um, I alluded to before we started talking about, that was just established last year, this Women in Engineering. And, and one of their main focuses is to, to mentor and they're just now trying to figure out what sort of efforts that they will have. And I don't know, is it we, we just highlight success stories or case stories or what sort of suggestions would you have for, you know, especially a female in this industry to be a mentor, to get started? At?
1: Right. I mean, I will say, so I have had several great mentors throughout my career. None of them have been formal. There are people more that I picked as my mentors and tried to learn everything I could from them. I do formally mentor several women in our company and have for many years. I think one of the I guess the issues is I think when you're in a male dominated industry, it's very hard to be, you know, a woman trying to start a family and there's all kinds of, you know, different challenges that you have that you probably don't even feel comfortable talking about like, oh, I have a sick kid today. I need to go home. And so I specifically mentor a lot of people in our industry or women that are kind of early in their careers or, you know, they're just starting families. And I talk to them a lot about managing the work-life balance. So that's the kind of stuff that's in any career, right? Regardless of tech. But I think it makes it harder in the tech field because there aren't other women that are dealing with this. I mean, when I first, when I had my first child. I literally we there was no work at home policy. There was no policy for when your kids were sick that day. And I feel like it it was really hard. But by the time my second one came along I had already made it very, I guess I want to say easy or or less challenging for the women that worked for me that were also starting families because I saw how important this was. I think in, in this industry, you know, there's different organizations. Like I said, I do internal mentoring. I've also belonged to several external um, mentoring groups. I know one of them was Mentium, um, where I provided mentorship to women and other companies. But I think there's so many people out there that are so passionate about this, both men and women, and that's another thing. I do think we need men and women mentoring women in this in this career field, right? I know just as many men that are very passionate about this. I you know, you don't want to turn it into this. yeah, you know, it's all have to be women because men are passionate about this as well you know, they have daughters entering the workforce. They don't want them to experience what people have experienced in the past. So I think, you know, in this industry in general, there, we need to probably build a stronger network and kind of educate our businesses as well, you know, what other industries are doing. I think it, it can be at times a little bit old school um, when it comes to some of the policies and not understanding, you know, what, different people from different lifestyles are dealing with. It's like educating our own organizations. You know, how we keep women in the workforce and how do we keep them in this career field? We have to address some of the issues around uh, the different things that working
0: mothers have, right? Yes. uh, And I I had very similar experiences. And I I also would like to underscore the fact that I know a lot of men who are very passionate about it. Most of my mentors were, were men in the industry, but they were they were profoundly um, inspirational to me. The one who's most profoundly inspirational was my dad, who was an EE, but but throughout my career I've had that experience and I you know would would love to figure out ways to make that more part of other women's experiences and I do think that we need a culture change. And I don't know if it's just, you know, maybe more companies should be establishing formal mentorship programs. I'm not sure if what, if they have those in other industries. And I know like on an ad hoc basis, there's, there's mentorship programs in our industry, but it would be great to see that as like, just, it's something that always is. We'll, we will always have this. And it's like, you know, having male and female mentors and again, to expose the the folks that are coming into the workforce that there are so many jobs that you could have and ve- and quite a few of them that the men that are in, even then the higher positions rely very heavily on these women who are in these roles that aren't necessarily the deepest technical world but they've got a really good technology background either from interest or they like i said they're great communicators which is critical i'm wondering especially um at, at Newark Element 14, if you feel uh, comfortable elaborating upon it, what, what about that organization do you feel is inspirational for especially girls ent- entering the field or women in tech?
1: Well, first will I'll talk a little bit about because of what, what I do. I mean, I think it's very inspirational. I mean, so we have a community, um, an online community of engineers from across the globe, and they're from 48 different countries, and it does include a lot of women engineers and when we had the, I think, the foresight to actually start this way before communities were even, you know, a popular thing. I think it's given us a ton of, you know, education about how engineers think, what, what's of interest to them, how they like to be marketed to. But from my point of view, it's just been I, I, well, I, I always talk to everyone in my company and say I, I absolutely love my job. But I'm able to use my technology background, plus my, you know, my business background, and I'm dealing with technical people every single day, which I love. I love technical people. You know, I love their passion around it. Engineers are extremely passionate oh, about yeah. what they do, <laughs> and so I'm surrounded by inspiration every day of what our engineers are developing and new technology they're coming out with and new inventions. And when we do a design challenge and they come up with these amazing things that they they design, you know, and then we can share those with everybody. At the same time, I'm able to take this and actually get projects that, that can be used in the classroom and then I can inform educators about them. You know, and I already mentioned this, but the fact that with so much new tech coming out around getting kids interested in tech, it's just kind of like made this come full circle for me where... You know, we actually manufacture and sell the things that I'm using to teach these these tech girls with. So I think in general, I, I think Newark Element 14 been a great place to work for me. I mean, I've, I've been there for 20, 20 years in many, many different careers. I mean, also running our websites at one point, but, but running a community kind of lets me pursue like this passion around getting a whole new generation, whether it's engineers or girls in tech, right? There's also a lot of really early on engineers that will come onto the community Um, We've had students come on and say, I'm looking for my senior level project. What do you guys think about this? And all these experienced engineers will weigh in and and help them like jump on it and help them immediately. So I think it's just giving you, it gives everyone a chance to kind of pursue that passion and see the passion of our customers, but also, you know, use it to help others.
0: Yeah, I think a community is an excellent example online of what we could potentially be doing with regards to mentorship and support offline as well. I'm I'm also a big community junkie and I've been following Element 14 for since it started. What I what I notice and all types of communities and this is very popular in China as well is exactly what you were talking about like someone will come in asking some either for help you know like an idea for a project you know that they're younger or newer engineers or they're asking some relatively basic questions and overall my experience in watching these um, these threads is that you can tell that the more experienced engineer comes in and what I love is because it reminds me of my dad they don't give them the answer. They i don't know if this has been your experience as well—but it's like you should look at this, then this, and make sure. And it's like they give them guidance, but it's funny how they're like, like "I'm not going to do your homework, and I'm not going to make this decision for you." But here's some things that yeah. that could help you. And it is funny how they jump in, and they're not even paid for it. It's the, to, back to your your comment about engineers are passionate. Absolutely. And that's, and and you see that on these, in these online communities. So yeah, you have a great job. Uh, (laughs) And also I noticed, especially with the, you know, the design projects and the contests, just even some of the look and feel of the community. And correct me if I'm wrong, Diane, it's like, you are also appealing to that younger audience as well. Because, you know, you, you have the old bulletin board systems, right? The BBSs that were just straight on text and very effective. But I think what your community does as well is you've got these conversations happening, but you've got some related and relevant activity information. And it almost seems like some of the, the voice or the look and the feel is to encourage maybe younger people, millennials. Would that be a correct statement?
1: Yes, I mean, and if you look at when we started the community, that was one of our um, reasons was to reach the next generation of engineers. Right. I mean, a lot of our customers um, were probably well on into their careers and we wanted to reach people early, you know, earlier on in their careers. So those just coming out of universities, those in maybe their first job. And you definitely see that. And I exactly the example you said, the engineers are very like they're trying to teach them. And these are so generous with their knowledge. Um. We also have a number of retired engineers, and they're so generous with their knowledge and helping others and encouraging others. <clears throat> I will just mention as well, or when I saw this trend of these products coming out, we started an area in the community called the STEM Academy, and this is actually for educators that are teaching tech in the classroom to be able to come and talk to other educators about projects they can use in the classroom. I saw a real need for that when I went out and was teaching Raspberry Pi. And and some of the teachers were like, I'm scared to use this thing. Like, I don't get it. (laughs) And, um, you know, because the students know more than they do in many cases. And they said, so we said, you know what? We'll we'll, we'll create some training materials, and now they you know they share different projects they do. If they run into a problem, they can ask, and an engineer will help them out. It's got yeah many different facets like that that help different people in different stages of their careers. Yeah, that's an
0: excellent idea. How long has the STEM Academy been around? As long
1: as Raspberry Pi has been around. Oh. So I'd have to go back. I, I, yeah. I oh. Mean, okay. What, All right. Um, that's what prompted me, some others on our team to launch it. But, I mean, it definitely includes tons more than Raspberry Pi these days. It's all kinds of different technology projects. And a lot of our suppliers are offering, you know, different robotics kits that can be used in the classroom. So it's just a way of us, for us to share all of this in one place with different educators. And even, even tech groups, right? Even like those that are teaching, you know, middle schoolers in tech.
0: Just to, to wrap up here a little bit, you know, feel free to elaborate as well. And I think you referred to it, but I wanted to ask specifically, you're putting a lot of time and energy and effort into this, and it sounds like you're getting the support of your organization as well. What would you ultimately like to see as a result of these efforts?
1: Well, on the personal side, obviously, I'd love to see more young women entering tech careers. If you look at the fact that, you know, the numbers are low, it goes back to, to get more women tech careers, we need more women to study STEM. To get more women to study STEM, you know, we need to expose them to it earlier in in their lives and create that interest. So ultimately, I would love to see you know, more women entering this field and realize that it's not just about coding in a dark room, that it's, it gives you so many inroads to so many different things and different careers. And that's the thing that I'm very passionate about. And I'd like to see from these efforts.
0: Me too. And since this is the EE Entrepreneurs Podcast, I did want to just Get your opinion on hopefully as a result of these efforts we actually also see more women starting companies as well do you think they have an, a particularly more difficult time to do that i mean after they've gotten their experience and they've had some mentorship and they they want to start a company do you think there's there are additional issues that they have to overcome at that point or is it pretty much a level playing field and it's just how good is your product
1: how good how do,
0: good do you implement it and get it into the market
1: I would love to think that it's equal footing. And I would love to think that if someone's got a great viable product, that they have the absolute same chance as anyone else. But I do think the tech industry has a ways to go. I mean, you can just pick up any, read any news site and know that there are different challenges starting up a new business in this field and getting the capital funding without going into all the news stories right? I do think that there are definite cha- challenges of any women starting a new tech company. But it's absolutely, I guess I look at that too. You know, I can go into this again, like the whole mentorship thing, like having more women in the field that they can go to, that they have an interesting tech idea. I mean, I think if the growth can continue, then it, it won't be the issue, right? There'll be other women, there'll be women providing the, the investment dollars that they need to get started. Yeah, I think, I think we're not quite there yet.
0: No, but I think with your efforts and efforts from some other organizations and then those of us who are embedded in the field and doing what we can in our mentorship will perhaps at least nurture the next generation right. or, and and encourage more women to take advantage of their mentors, take advantage of their network, and those of us out there who want them to succeed to feel confident about starting a company. So I guess you know it's our responsibility to nurture it, to fertilize that that field. And Diane, I think you're doing, you're doing exactly that. Thank you. Any final comments?
1: Um, No, just, uh, just to reiterate, like you said, I mean, I think there's a lot of leaders out there, both men and women that are very passionate about this and we need to all support each other in these efforts. And I think, like you said, I think if we do that, I think things are changing and we'll continue to change for the positive. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> <Me too. laughs> okay
0: diane thank you very much you're welcome thanks for joining diane kibbe the global head of community and social media for newark element 14 and me as we talked about her passion for igniting the passion for technology in women and girls and the concrete ways she is helping to lay that foundation I'm Amy Kalnaskis, and you've been listening to E.E. Entrepreneurs from E.E. World Online and WTWH Media. Join me as we uncover the human stories behind the engineering successes that make a difference.